Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Let's give God another praise, people of God. Amen. God is good. He is gracious. He is kind to us. And uh, I am so excited. I'm beyond excited. Um, as we begin this new journey together, um, as we begin this season as Refresh Community Church, we have officially launched, y'all do know, over the last few months, we've kind of been in this transitional period as we've transitioned from being the Journey Hanley Road to being Refreshed Community Church. Um, and so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be um, preaching this entire month, actually, um, on our vision. And I've already given you the vision. In fact, uh, y'all are looking at the vision. Y'all, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about this uh, this shirt. You know, I reached out uh, to my homie, Ralph Loren. I was like, hey, yo, Ralph, bro. I was like, um, I'm going to need a coach who are, you know, personally designed uh, shirt. Uh, that, that reflects my church mission and vision. Uh, and I don't want to have to go to Plaza Frontenac uh, to pick this up, homie. I, I'm going to need something that talks about um, how we need our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence. Brother, Brother Ralph, I'm going to need something that talks about how we need our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose. Brother Ralph, I'm going to need something that talks about how I get my life rebuilt by Christ's power and our communities restored by Christ's people. And he said, is this a scammer? How'd you get my number? Hung up on uh, So anyway, no, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and so you're looking at this new uh, vision that we have. And I know y'all, I know what y'all are asking because y'all are looking, looking at this stunningly attractive model up here um, with this, this new shirt. And you're like, Pastor Carlos, how do I get one? Um, you will be able to get one at our church launch event on August the 20th. You will be able to purchase your own. And here is the benefit of having me as your pastor. Don't look too hard. Don't try to guess what size I have on. But here's what I would say. If it fits me, it will probably fit you. So we, we are a body positive congregation. If I can get one, Surely you can get one. Amen. Amen. But no, uh, I want to invite you out. <laughs> Amen. Body positivity. That's right. Love yourself because you're in the image of God. All, all that many exes of you. Amen. That's what the Lord told me. <laughs> but no, I, uh, but seriously, we will have every, every one for everyone at our, at our launch event um, on August 20th. So I definitely want to invite us out. We're going to have one service that day. Don't forget, one service at 10 o'clock that day. We're going to have a service and then we're going to go out. We're going to have food trucks from some of our dopest food trucks around here, um, and we're going to hang out. You'll get a chance to purchase a shirt. Um, but this um, launch as Refresh Community Church is also exciting um, because we have a lot of things going on. I don't know if y'all noticed um, as you came in off of our parking lot, um, but did you notice that there was some paint on the wall? Did y'all notice the paint on the wall, the, the new mural on the wall? Um, we have been able, we've had the, the privilege to not do one. You, if you came in off the parking lot, that means you've only seen one mural. But did you know there's actually two murals at our church? That's right. Um, I don't know if y'all remember this big blank gray piece of slate on the other side of this wall that was out there, but it is now covered by a beautiful mural. So we have one as you enter and one out here for our community and outward facing. Do y'all want to see the picture of the one out here on the wall? All right. I'm not going to show you one. Uh, here's what I, 
I'm not going to show you a picture. I want you to go and experience the mural. If you, if you have not been around to the front of our building, um, I want to invite you to go around to the front and see it um, and, and experience it. It is beautiful. I want you to take selfies in front of it. I want you to tag the church, tag your friends, tag your, your, your mom and them, and, and see this beautiful uh, piece of art. Here at Refreshed Community Church, we believe strongly in the arts. We believe that God is a creator um, and that as a result of that, he has made us a creative people and creative beings. And so we champion the arts. Y'all, some of y'all, most of y'all who've been here for a while know this, but some of y'all may not know this, but I'm a whole musician myself. Um, used to be good back in the day. I ain't so much now. Uh, I ain't practiced in a while, but we just believe here at this church um, that God has called us to create culture, not just engage culture, but create it. Um, so this, this mural didn't just happen um, randomly, but in some ways it's been almost 20 years in the making um, because there's a brother um, that I met at the time, um, this was back in 2005 that he and I first met, not in St. Louis, but in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I did my Bachelor of Music Education. We went to the same church. He came and he introduced himself to me. He sat down. We were on a bus on our way to a youth conference. He sat down to me. I had just became the minister of music at this church. He introduced himself. We became fast friends. He said to me, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And besides Nelly's Country Grammar album, I had no connection to St. Louis. I was like, word, do you know Nelly? He like, nah, bro, but I'm from U-City. I'm like, what the heck is that? He like, St. Louis, don't worry about it. And then we start singing country grammar, continue with the bus ride. But this brother uh, was a member of the church. We were in the same church, and he, um, he at the time, he was just doing airbrushing in the mall. If y'all remember back in the day, I might be dating myself, but y'all remember them airbrush t-shirts at the mall? <laughs> I might, he's still here. I might have him hit me a couple, hit, hit me up some airbrush t-shirts. I'll throw it back to the 90s real quick. I have no shame at all. Um, but he was just airbrushing at the mall, but he was a dancer and doing other stuff. Uh, and as time went on, I ended up becoming a pastor. We built a wonderful friendship, stayed in contact. Um, but this brother from U-City that I met in Indiana is now a worldwide well-known artist by the name of Theopolis Smith, a.k.a. Fresh Laundry. Um, and he's a nader here of St. Louis. I know he was in 9 o'clock. Theo, are you still here? I can't see everybody. Okay, Theo, he, he was uh, at the 9 o'clock service. But his name is Theopolis Smith. He is a native of U-City. His family lives right around the block. Theo has done artwork, if you want to know his scope. He's done artwork for Spike Lee. Um, he, has, he has done work for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. III. He's done work for the family of James Brown. His artwork is hanging in London. Uh, and he has also done work for the Academy Awards. And he has painted the murals, both murals in our church. Uh, so I want to give it up for my brother, Theo. And so... This piece of art that we have, it wasn't just something that we, we threw up there. It's something uh, that we be believe reflects the mission, the vision, and the culture of our church that we are seeking to create. So not going to show you any pictures. Don't get on Instagram. They're not there. I do want you to go to Instagram. Follow my boy um, at That Laundry, though. Follow him. See more of his work. I'm telling you, he is one of the dopest artists on God's planet. Um, but would love for y'all after service to go and check out both murals if you haven't seen them already. Amen? Amen. So I know y'all tired of hearing me just talk about all the things and announcements and stuff. Y'all probably want me to preach, right? Uh, so we're going to get to the Word. All right. So um, if you have your Bibles, with that you pick up your Bibles, and we're going to be taking a pause from the book of Luke for a little bit, and we're going to be looking in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament book. It's the largest of the major prophets. I don't really have a convenient way to tell you how to find Isaiah. It's like back in the Old Testament, use the table of contents, 
this big book, just flip around till you see Isaiah. Um, and if somebody need help, help them out. But we're going to be going to Isaiah chapter 43, looking at verse 18. And as you turn there, I kind of want to talk about for a minute how we even got to this place um, of refreshed community church and this mission and this vision and this name. And what the Lord has shown me um, over time and shown me and the pastors of this church is that this is truly a God-sized vision um, of seeing hearts refreshed and renewed and rebuilt and restored. This isn't something that we can do on our own. And so God has given us this God-sized vision. And some people, I've, I've had people who say, uh, Carlos, I've never seen the Word refresh in the Bible. Fun fact, the word, the word or the Greek and Hebrew words that's translated there actually appears at least 13 times, depending on what translation you read, um, in the Bible. Six times, fun fact, are on the lips of the Apostle Paul and relate to Christian relationships with one another. And the other times are in the Old Testament and talk about times of rest and Sabbath that God gives to his people. Um, but throughout the Bible, you see this imagery of God using water, of pouring out refreshment on his people, whether we're talking about uh, Jesus in John 7, where he talked about the fountains of living water, or we're talking about Psalm 1 uh, that talks about uh, the righteous, blessed is he that dwells not in the counsel of the ungodly or sitteth in the seat of sinners, but his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in his law he does meditate day and night. And the word says, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Throughout scripture, this language of refreshing occurs, and the passage we're going to look at today is another one of those passages that does not have the word refreshment in it, but the theme is all over it. And I love this passage because it was actually a passage that the Lord put on my heart and on the heart of the elders as we start talking about uh, this, this, this potential of renaming and focusing on a new mission and vision. And it was a passage, what was crazy about it is um, when, uh, when, we have, when Pastor Mark Goins had finally came and we were talking about um, hiring him, he said when he came over here, this was the passage that the Lord placed on his heart. And I just viewed it as confirmation that it's the animating text behind our church. So if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 21. And if you can't find any Bibles, all good. It will be on the screens for you. Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 21. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I have formed for myself, that may, they may declare my praise. Let me pray for our time. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you that you give refreshing. That God, there is nothing that we can do to garner it up or, or conjure it up or make it happen, that God, the refreshing that you pour out through your beautiful presence comes to us directly from you. So God, speak to our hearts about how you have chosen to refresh our hearts through your presence and how you intend from this place, from Refresh Community Church, to refresh the heart and the presence of this community through your will and through your word and through your people. So preach to us today, Holy Ghost, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. And as I talk to you for a few minutes, I'm just going to follow this thread of our first part of our vision here. Our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence. Our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence. You know, I was on the phone 
with my cousin. I got a lot of cousins. Uh, I was on phone with my cousin. I got a cousin who's a um, Silicon Valley exec out in San Francisco. And uh, I like talking to him because I be hearing about baller stuff that he be doing. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Because, um, you know, they over there, they doing, doing the most ballerous things in Silicon Valley. Uh, but I was on the phone with him, and he was telling me how well life was going with him, all the ways that the Lord is blessing him. He has a beautiful family. God is doing great things in his life and heart. He is telling me how God is prospering him, and he is flourishing, and life is good. And then he hit me with something that confused me completely. He's like, yeah, cuz next week I'm about to run in the San Francisco Marathon. It's like the San Francisco Marathon. Okay, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run the San Francisco Marathon. I'm like, now look, cuz, uh, you know where we're from. Do you know what marathon means? Do <laughs> Yeah, I know what a marathon means. I'm like, do you know, brother cousin, brother Silicon Valley exec dude, I know you're smart. Uh, um, do you know how far a marathon is? Um, he says it's 26.2 miles. I say, correct. Um, I say, why would you want to run that far? Like, wh- what are you running from? What are you training for? What, what are you preparing to do? And he was like, hey, man, you know, I'm the God blessing my health and I'm trying to be. I was like, there's so many other ways you can be healthy to run 26 point anything miles. It's just beyond me. And then I sought to correct him with scripture. I say the book of Proverbs says that the wicked flee when no one chases. You telling me that you're going to run? Nobody is chasing you for 26 miles. You can just drive off. And we began to talk and I was trying to minister to him because I, I, you know, I've been on my little health journey, but running 26 miles just ain't been in the cars. Not yet. Maybe in a little bit, but not, not yet. But we started talking about it, and I was like, cuz, as I was trying to, to, I was actually encouraging him, but it was, it was a real funny conversation, because I was like, hey, bro, 26.2 miles. It's a long way. I'm like, you're going to have a water bottle? I'm like, bro, what, you going to have a gallon of water? You're going to run 26.2 miles with some, how are you going to, like, how are you going to do that? He's like, no, man, I ain't carrying no water. That'll weigh me down running that far. i like, so you just going to die, huh? Because like, ain't no way you running 26.2 miles with no water. Um, and he said, no, I'm going to be fine. He said, because every two miles in the marathon, there are these things called aid stations. And he says, in the marathon, every couple miles, there's a station with water, electrolytes, with everything that I need to keep going. And I said, okay, okay, well, do you, man. Here, send me your location. We're going to make sure you're good. He says, I'll get everything I need on the way because on the station, they have provided these aid stations. And as I tend to do, that put me in a place where I started thinking about preaching because I started to compare and to contrast that with sprinting and the 100-meter dash and the 200-meter dash. And if you've ever been to a sprint to a track meet, you know there are no aid stations, no water in a 100-meter dash. Because if you stop and take a sip of water, you have already lost. But in a marathon, because it is focused on length and longevity and endurance rather than speed and strength, there's opportunities for you to refresh yourself. And I know you're looking at me because you're trying to figure out what in the world does this have to do with our hearts refreshed by the presence of Christ? What in the world does this have to do with the mission and vision of your church, of this church? Well, I'm here to tell you, people of God, if you have not been a Christian very long, I am going to inform you today that the Christian life is much more like a marathon than 
much more so than it is like a sprint. A Christ, the Christian life is not a track meet at all. You're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to endure some things. It's not going to happen really quick. You're not going to go in a flash. You're going to have to systematically, intentionally put one foot in front of the other with some endurance. This is why Hebrews 12 says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and we got to lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely and we have to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race. This is why Paul says in Philippians 3 that I don't uh, count myself to have achieved it, but I forget what lies behind and I strain to what lies ahead and I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. And what I have learned in this marathon that we call life, that sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get weary. I just speak to myself because maybe y'all in better shape than me. Maybe y'all do ultra marathons. I ain't did my first 5 or 10K yet. Sometimes I get tired and I need God to refresh me with his presence. And God is saying to us today, Refresh Community Church, that he has called us to be a church not where we are just pouring out the waters of living water, but where he is refreshing the presence of his people. That as we are on this pilgrim journey, as we are going through the ups and downs and the vicissitudes of life, we are going to need aid stations along the way to pour in the balm of the gospel, to pour in the living water of Jesus Christ, where Jesus can pour into the part soul of his people and call them to rise up. And God is saying, this is the church that I have called to be that in this city, in this place for a time such as this. And so God says that this church, I, I've called this to be a place where people, whether you're a new Christian, old Christian, you ain't got to be a Christian for long. You ain't got to be a Christian at all. You may be sitting here and you're like, I ain't a Christian, but I sure know what tired is. I, I sure know what burnout is. I sure know what trauma is. And I am here to tell you, even if you are not a believer, that that thirst that you feel deep in your soul can only be quenched by the presence and the power of Jesus. And so as, as I looked at this, and I looked at this text in the book of Isaiah, this book of Isaiah is, is, is a funny text, uh, or this text in Isaiah in particular, because it gives me Exodus vibes. It's, it's got heavy Exodus vibes throughout. You see this language of God making rivers in the desert, and God doing all these things in the desert, and God doing things by his power and by his presence. And it made me think about uh, this passage in the book of Exodus where the Jews had wild out as they did and as we do. Don't be too hard, by the way, on the Old Testament people of God, because that's us. That's the way you're supposed to read the Bible. Sometimes we read them as like, they was wilding out. That's not the way you're supposed to read it. You should read it as us is wilding out. Because even though God showed his power, his presence, his faithfulness, his covenant keeping power, us wild out. And maybe us ain't just you, but it show is us, and us be wilding. New Testament people of God, Old Testament people of God, intertestamental people of God, God's people just be wilding out. And in the Exodus, we see that God's people was wilding again. And right after after God has shown his power, his presence, his ability, his dexterity, his love, and his covenant-keeping faithfulness to his people in Exodus by bringing them out with a great and mighty hand, by showing his power to Pharaoh, by demonstrating his faithfulness, we find ourselves in Exodus 33 where God's people decide to have the most lit black party at the bottom of Mount Sinai that the ancient Near East had ever seen. They built golden calves. They turned up the Bluetooth speaker. They ordered bottles of Doucet, and all of a sudden, they started having a good time is what I'll say. And, and God became angry and he said to Moses, I'm about to deal with these people. And Moses, being the predecessor to Christ, was a, a great intercessor. And he said, God, 
don't destroy them. God, don't take your presence from them. God, please don't do this. And God, being abundant in mercy and grace and kindness, he says, not only will I not take my presence for you, but he says in this little passage that reminds me of the one I'm preaching today, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest in spite of your brokenness. And so I'm here to tell you that the Jews realized and Moses realized that nothing they were setting out to do would be accomplished in their own power, that if God's presence did not go, then it wouldn't get done. And Refresh Community Church, the reason why this passage gives me Exodus vibes is because it reminds me that God wants to do some things that if God doesn't do it, it just won't get done. And so when we talk about this mission and vision, this passage just gives me Exodus vibes, but it also gives me Exodus vibes because it's another instance of them being afraid that they've lost God's presence. You see, they got over the hump there in Exodus 33, but now in Isaiah, another different traumatic situation is in, is in, in view here because all of a sudden, they're afraid that they've lost the presence of God because for 39 chapters, the book of Isaiah is a meaty book. For 39 chapters, God wild, uh, warns them to stop wilding out. Hey, stop wilding out. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Hey, you need to chill on the idolatry. Hey, you need to chill on the, uh, uh, on the racism. Hey, you need to chill out on the injustice and oppression. But for 39 chapters, God's people completely wilds out. And finally, eventually, at the end of chapter 39, the unthinkable happens in 586 BC, a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, be careful how you spell and pronounce his name, he came up from Babylon and he came and destroyed Jerusalem, raised the temple to the ground and destroyed what was thought to be the seat of Yahweh here on earth. And so all of a sudden, the Jews thought that the presence of God was gone. But for 39 chapters, they get warnings of judgment. And finally, they experience the judgment of God. But I'm so grateful that the book of Isaiah does not end in chapter 39. Because in chapter 40, you begin the book of Isaiah that theologians call the book of comfort. And you get some comfort and some hope and some promises from God that animate the Christian life and heart to this day. That regardless of the brokenness, fallenness, frailness, of human beings, God will not withdraw his presence from his people and that he will deliver us every single time. And so I'm, I know I'm preaching a vision series about the church, but I just want to stop by for a moment and tell somebody that your brokenness, your fallenness, your messed upness, your jacked upness is not precluding or stopping God from delivering you and giving you the gift of his presence. He says, just come on home because I'm still here for you, waiting for you, and looking forward to pouring out my blessings on you. That one for free. You ain't even got to worry about that one. That was, that was just why I was in the neighborhood. But... But as I was saying, I really am preaching Isaiah. I know you're like, why are you talking so much about the Exodus? Because the story of the Exodus gives us this model for God's deliverance power. That God is committed to his people. That he is the covenant-keeping God. That regardless of how we act, God is always faithful. And he gives us this model for deliverance. But as I draw closer to our passage today, what God is saying in this passage is that I want you to be built up in your most holy faith by the past. But I don't want you to be bound by it. You see, I want you to see the past exodus as the way that I go about delivering my people, that you see my faithfulness towards my people, but I don't want you to think that that's the only way that I'm bringing about deliverance. And so as I look at our text for today in verse 19, he opens this pericope here in the book of comfort, here in this servant song by saying, behold, I am doing a new thing. 
He says, I want you to look and see that I'm doing something new. I'm not doing something old. I'm not reheating something. I gave you a pattern. I gave you a paradigm to see how it worked. But most understand, definitely understand that I am doing it in a new way that you never conceived before. You see, the interesting thing is that while God gives us these templates of past faithfulness and deliverances, he wants you to know that he is a God who knows how to improvise. That if you don't know what improvisation is, if you're a musician, there's a couple ways you can go about music. One, you can just make it up however you want to. You can do it that way. But another thing is called a lead sheet. It gives you the tune, the key, maybe a few chords, but you can take that basic tune and you can improvise on it however you feel moved. And God says, I've given you the template, I've given you the tune, but now I'm going to do it my own way way. And what does that have to do with this mission and vision? Well, if you've been hanging around Refresh Community Church for a while, you know that our church became such a distinct place by the merging of a couple DNAs, the Journey, Hanley Road, and uh, the Gate Church here in New City. And the Lord was saying, as these two churches came to me, and as I prayed through or came to us, and we merged together, and as I was praying through this, the Lord showed me that I have given you a template for my faithfulness by what I have done in the life of the Journey, in the life of the gate. And even if you came from neither one of those churches, wherever you came from, if you came from no church or another church, God is saying, I have given you templates for my faithfulness. And so I want these templates for my faithfulness to build up your most holy faith, but I don't want you to be bound by them. And so when I thought about the journey, you know, I started thinking about God, what have you taught us through the journey? And I looked at the, the beautiful history of the journey and how God used the journey to bring thousands of men and women to faith, how God used the journey to create and stir revival in St. Louis, to call people who had been far from God, who had forgot about God, who was distant from the Lord, how God used it. And even when people said the journey would fall, would collapse, would be all these things, God says, I showed you my faithfulness by upholding this church in the midst of the turmoil. When I looked at the gates, I began to see a church where God had used it to reach a, a, a group of young uh, Christians, African-American and other Christians who were not being reached with the gospel to build a distinct and beautiful community of discipleship, of real transparent life together, to walk people from Christian immaturity to Christian maturity, to spread the aroma of Jesus right here in St. Louis. And when people said the gate would simply fold and fall, God is saying, I already showed you my faithfulness through keeping that church and bringing it together. And then God said, I'm going to do a new thing and I'm going to bring together these two churches. But the same God that kept the journey, the same God who kept the gate, the same God who kept your mama church, the same God who kept your grandmama church, the same God who kept you while you went in church is saying, I'm the same God who's going to keep refreshed community church. But he says, I want you to be built up by this. I don't want you to be bound by it. And, and as we look to this new mission and vision, I want us to think about our new direction. And while we celebrate the past and we thank God by the past, God is saying, I don't want us to look back and just say, my, my best days are behind me. The best days of our church is behind us because people of God, I believe wholeheartedly and I believe I have seen from the Lord that the best days of the journey, the gate, and wherever God has brought you from is yet ahead of us. And so he says, I want you to be built up by it, but I don't want you to be bound by it. You know, I, um, one, of, one of the things I do in my pastimes, and if you know me well, you know this, I tend to, um, I have just a rampant curiosity 
Um, and so one of the things I even do on my Sabbath is um, I just give myself space to read random stuff and to just Google random stuff. I mean, the truth of the matter is if my life circumstances would do, were different, I'd probably be a career student. I have like 19 degrees in random stuff um, just because I'd be interested in random things. So on this particular day, and I confuse all the algorithms, okay? Like they don't know what I believe. They'd be feeding me stuff from all over the place. Like it'd be ridiculous. I'm like, I'm, I've officially confused Mark Zuckerberg. I feel good about it myself. Um, Anyhow, I had got I had got this uh, I had got this little random thing, uh, and it was talking about uh, space debris because um, I've been reading random space stuff, and uh, you know I guess we're guess we're not content to pollute Earth, we're polluting space, uh, and it was a fascinating read, and it was talking about all the space debris that's circling Earth, and you know how you know it's just up there, and I, I don't know what to do about it. I ain't been to space yet. I, I don't know what this article wanted me to accomplish, but it was nice to know. Uh, but it was talking about um, how the space debris happens not only from satellites and things like this, but that we often also have to be careful for how our space endeavors impact Earth and how when a rocket is taken off, there are things that are falling off the rocket by design. And I was shook when I heard that because I wouldn't want to be a rocket on a rocket if I'm going up as a human with stuff falling off of it. I've flown Spirit Airlines before. I know what that feels like. I don't want to do that in space. And so, so stuff be falling off, and, and, but I was reading how it's designed to fall off, and some of it is meant to burn up, to lighten the load, and one of the things, and one of the pieces of debris that falls down into the ocean that we have to make sure we get and don't just leave in the ocean, they said, uh, is the rocket boosters, that the boosters, the fuel that push the rocket into outer space, that it is not meant to stay with the payload. It can't stay with the payload because it would make it too heavy. It would weigh it down. It would throw the physics off. It wouldn't go fast enough. And people of God, as we think about our church history as the journey, as we think about our church history as the gate, as we think about your Christian history from wherever you come from, shoot, you might not even be a Christian. As you think about the history of your life and where God has brought you from, God is saying, I never meant for it to stay with you forever. I meant it to propel you to a preferred destiny that I've already put out before you. So God says it's not meant to, to, to bind you, but to boost you, but to propel you. And so whether you know it or not, I've already preached to you the whole, whole sermon. Um, I'm just going to go back and point at a few things so that you kind of know what I'm talking about. Because what is this vision that we are being propelled to as Refreshed Community Church? I told you that I'm talking about our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence. That if God is not with us, that ain't no refreshing going to happen. I, I, I try and our staff seek to be intentional about what we do. We seek to do do things in excellence for the glory of God, but God is saying there are some things that, or everything, this whole vision is for me and by my own uh, hand, and so there's just a few things I'm going to point to that's in the text that tells you the perverted vision and what it means and what it think what the text shows us about what it means to have our hearts refreshed by God, and the first thing I already told you about three times is that when we think about our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, is that our hearts being refreshed by God's presence is God's work. I know that's an epiphany, but did you know that if our hearts are going to be refreshed by God's presence, it's got to be a work of God, that I can't conjure it, that you can't conjure it, that God's got to do it himself, but you're looking at me like you don't believe me, and that's okay. I came prepared to prove my point from the text. Just look at it. It's right in front of you. In verse 19, it says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Look at verse 19. God says, I will make a way. Look at verse 20. I give water. Look at the rest of verse 20. I give drink. Look at verse 21. The people that I have formed 
performed. God is saying, this is a work that I will do and only I can do it. I am making a new thing. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to give water and refreshing. God was saying to Israel, is that Israel, you've gotten yourself in such a predicament with the Babylonians and the Egyptians and all the other people in the nations that only I can get you out of it. And God is saying to us that Refresh Community Church, don't be confused. You know, and as the lead pastor, I'm, I'm not confused um, that I know that I'm called to steward the vision. I know that I'm called to, to shepherd God's people. I know that I'm the angel of this house, that I'm called to steward the vision. But God has said, don't be confused. This is my vision. This is my work. I want to see University City refresh with my presence. I want to see revival break out. I want to see the gospel go forth. I want to see this community restored. I want to see the transformation. This is my work and mine alone. Now, I'm telling you why that's important. Because that means it can't be stopped. That means that the hordes of hell and everything that Satan and his imps does will not stop it. And I, I'm fully aware of the spiritual warfare that our staff and that our friends and that our members have endured. But I just want to speak to somebody that has been battling in this season that nothing that God is seeking to do can be stopped by the work of the enemy. And that's a word for me and for everybody else who need it. Because ain't nothing that Satan can do to stop or derail God's plans, this mission, this vision, or anything that is according to the purposes of God. But not only Satan. You know, Satan, you know, we be blaming Satan for stuff. And sometimes Satan ain't thinking about you. So, sometimes Satan is parasailing, okay? He ain't thinking about you. And I don't know if he had wings or not. I don't know if he need one or he can just do that. Wing. I really don't know. But sometimes he's occupied otherwise. Sometimes it's our own brokenness. It's our own fallenness. It's our own issues. And what I love about this vision being God's vision is that even the brokenness of the people whose hands is around it cannot stop it. I, I, you know, listen, if you're feeling self-conscious about what you are going through in your life, I am here to tell you that you are not in a class all by yourself. God says that my people have been frail, making missteps, have been wilding out for a long time. He says, it's just, those are the only kind of people I use. If you feel bad about yourself, because sometimes you know, I'm be honest. I don't struggle with feeling bad for myself. In fact, I'm quite prodigious at it. I'm good at looking at myself and seeing the ways that I fall short in the flaws. Sometimes I feel like, God, you sure you called me to be like, you called me? You won't, of all the people you could have called to pastor people, like, Jesus, you know I'm from Six Mile. This is crazy. You want me to come here and pastor these people? That's, that's insane. Like, you, are you sure that you want to do that? But I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me and made me feel better about myself. And sometimes if you want to feel better about yourself, you just got to look at how bad other people is. Um, so <laughs> but not like, you know, I ain't talking about the people around you. Don't judge your, your, your neighbor. <laughs> the Lord took me to the Bible and told me to judge them. So he, he was like, Carlos, if you ever feel like you are not qualified to be used by me, I want you to, to just read the book of Genesis. There's some folks in there. And Jesus quotes him, and everybody quotes him. You know, he has the saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and you hear that thunder from a mountain, and the way they say it on audio books and on these different TV shows, you would think that them people had good sense. Them people were crazy, okay? Have you ever read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Lord, I ain't got time to talk about Noah getting drunk. I ain't got, I ain't got time. Lord, let's not even talk about David. Like, David should be canceled. He all up in your Bible. Like, it's crazy. 
But Abraham, you know, we look at Abraham, we're like, well, shoot, we're talking three Abrahamic faiths. We're talking about Jews, Christians, Muslims, monotheism as we know it. Cool, dope. Abraham was a man of great faith. Romans 4 is all about his faith. Romans 4 and 5, it's beautiful. Read about it. It's great. Uh, but he also, like, just think about this for a minute. <laughs> this is crazy. Abraham goes to Egypt. They say, hey, you know how it is. You pull up at the barbecue and, and your uncle say, hey, hey bro, that's you. That's you. That's what Pharaoh says to Abraham. Abraham, that's you, cuz. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> talking about Sarah, if you don't know what I'm talking about. This is his wife. His wife was beautiful, okay? Let me say it in, in, uh, uh, in standard American vernacular. Uh, Abraham had a beautiful wife. <laughs> See, Sarah. Pharaoh say, oh, she nice, oh, boy. <laughs> and he say, Oh, this is just my sister. And he gives Sarah to Pharaoh. And God had to afflict the Egyptians. Now, this was prophetic in his action, but he had to keep Pharaoh up off of Sarah, man. This is the father of the faithful. And then, if that ain't crazy enough, that's not even the most crazy thing that he did. God comes to him and says, hey, brother, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And God does what God does. He tells the stuff and then do it like 85 years later. That's just what God does. So him and Sarah was just sitting around like, yeah, God said he's going to do a thing, but I don't know how he's going to do the thing. So look, I got an idea. This is Sarah now, because Sarah was wild too, okay? It ain't, it ain't Mother's Day, so I can say it. Sarah was wild, okay? <laughs> Sarah said, hey, I got an idea. I got this fine melanated chocolate serving from Egyptian by the name of Hagar. How about you and Hagar do a thing, and maybe that's how God's going to bring his promise. God didn't say nothing about Hagar. And you want to know, I read the Bible carefully, y'all. I really, I read it in Hebrew and all kinds of stuff. Ain't nowhere in the Bible, I read it in the Septuagint. Abraham never disagrees with Sarah. He never says, you know what, I probably shouldn't do that. That God, that, that he just said, I mean, he didn't fight at all. He said, she said, I got this, this fine chocolate sister I think you should have. And Abraham just says, oh, okay. And oh, I do what I got to do. Here's my point, and time would fail me, as the book of Hebrews 11 says, time would fail me to talk about the insanity of Isaac or the trickery of Jacob. Here's my point. God has only exclusively, consistently, and faithfully only used messed up people. And so if you are messed up, broken, treacherous, struggling, jacked up in your life, you are a great candidate to be used by God. And so God gave me some reassurance. He said, Brother Carlos, don't feel bad about me maybe using you to be a pastor. Don't feel about the folks that I've sent around the church. I only use crackpots to get my will accomplished. And so I, I started looking at this, and, and he told a, a story came to mind. It was, this, it was this about this grandmother and her and her grandchild. They always planted gardens together. And so they had planted these gardens, and so they would go and they would water the garden. They would walk down to the creek to get the water and water the garden and plant these seeds. But the little boy who was with his grandmother, his pot, his pail where he carried his water was always leaking. But they would go back and forth to this little creek which ran right behind their house to get the water to water the garden that his grandmother had and they did this day after day after day and the young man started complaining to his grandmother he said 
Grandma, it seems like your pot is fine. My, your pail is fine. Mine is leaking all over the place. She says, son, don't worry about that. Just keep carrying your water. And so the young man just kept carrying the water up back and forth and kept pouring it in and kept pouring it in. And so over time, he kept complaining to his grandmother, grandmother, my pail is cracked. It is leaking all over the place. She said, son, don't worry about it. Just keep carrying your water. And as the months weathered on and went on, what they noticed is that that same little groove where they had walked for months on end began to sprout with flowers. And finally, his grandmother told him, son, I was using your cracked bucket to water the flowers along the path to bring about some beauty. And child of God, if you are a leaky bucket, you need to know that God is using the leaks that you have to create beauty everywhere that you walk. That God doesn't want nor need your fullness to do what he got to do because he is God enough to manage your brokenness and make something beautiful grow. And so God told me, he said, Carlos, look, man, chill out. Don't give yourself too much credit. This is my work. This is what I'm planning to do. But not only do we see that our hearts refresh as God's work, I told you I already preached a whole sermon. The other thing I want to point it back to is that it's according to God's where. Now, I know that's a weird sentence, but it's the one that I wrote. So here we are. Um, our, heart, <laughs> our hearts are refreshed according to God's where. What, what do you mean? Look where God brings refreshing. He brings refreshing where it makes no sense to bring refreshing. Look at the text. Look at verse 19. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Look at verse 20. I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Look, man, I'm no geologist, but I know factually. I was in Vegas one time. I was witnessing. I was for a, there for a witnessing convention, okay? I was in Vegas one time, and it was surrounded by desert. It went Nan River in a desert. There was rivers don't run in deserts. God is saying to his people, he says, just like I made a way in the wilderness where the rock followed you around. And Corinthians says that that rocks was Christ, that I gave water from a rock in the middle of a desert. The way that I followed you through there is the same way I'm going to bring you out of Babylon by way of the desert that guards Israel from the area of, uh, of Mesopotamia where they come from. He say, I've brought you from this desert and I've brought you from this desert and I'm going to give water in the desert because waters don't go in desert. And because waters don't flow in deserts, you will know that the only one who provided for you and brought about refreshing was me. And so the reason why God gives water in the desert is so that he can get maximum glory for what he is doing. And God is saying in this church, Refresh Community Church, I have put you right here where I have put you so that I can get maximum glory from this church. And I know you're talking about, what, what do you mean? Now, now, I don't know if you looked around you. Yet, but this is a diverse, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational, multi-socioeconomic, multi-everything church. And God says that I chose to put this church that I'm going to name Refresh, where I'm going to pour out my presence and bring restoration to people's lives. I pulled it to put, put, I chose to put it right here in St. Louis, the home of Michael Brown. I chose to build a reconciled church, a diverse church of people that looks like glory right here in the home of the Ferguson Uprising. He says that I chose to put right here in St. Louis the home of the Dred Scott decision. I chose right here in St. Louis what I believe spiritually is the seat of one of the most chief spiritual principalities and strongholds of racism and division in America. He said, I'm going to make a river and refreshing right there. 
Because listen, I don't want y'all to take this for granted. Like, refresh me. Please don't just walk up in here and just think that this is just how it's going to be. Dr. King was right when he said 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America. And I don't care when and where you are. Unfortunately, in 2023, it is still the most segregated hour in America. Please don't take this for granted. God is saying, I want to bring about a reconciled, kaleidoscopic people of God that look like heaven right in a place where they said it can't happen. I'm going to do it right in St. Louis. Now, listen, I'm, I'm gonna, can I be transparent? Can I keep it real with y'all for just a hot second? I, I'm be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I first showed up five years ago, I thought God had got the wrong phone number. You know, I had, I had, I had, I had just got T-Mobile. My service wasn't working that good. And I, I just, I didn't think the Lord, I, y'all, y'all just need to know about it. Many of y'all who are here, y'all know this, but I'm just keeping it real. You might be a visitor, you might not know this. I'm, I'm a son of the historic black church, and my church was so black. Um, my home church so black. Church where I was ordained, it was so black um, that it was founded by slaves and freedmen before the Emancipation Proclamation. That's how black my church was. It's, it's, it's right here in St. Louis. It's First Baptist Church of Chesterfield. You didn't even know it was black folks in Chesterfield, did you? Didn't even know they was out there. You confused. Y'all thought I came from white church. Gotcha. <laughs> I came from the blackest church. It's the oldest church west of the Mississippi. Gotcha. Y'all got a pastor from the blackest church possible. <laughs> ah, and the Lord. <laughs> so look, check this out. He sent me to here five years ago to the Journey Hanley Roads. And the Journey called me and they said, I'm, we're moving this church from, from, from Clayton up to U City. And we want it to be a diverse church and blah, 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 blah. And I said, man, that's a beautiful vision. Sounds crazy. Um, not for me. Um, but the Lord, he had his way. I ended up coming here. And I'll never forget my first Sunday at what was then the Journey Hanley Road. There were me. And listen, I just got, I'm going to tell y'all something. Now, look, black people don't take my black card for this. But to my non-African Americans, I'm going to tell you a black secret. Don't tell nobody, okay? Uh, when black people walk into a place and we don't see many of us, we instantly turn to mathematicians. We, we start counting. <laughs> Yes, don't tell nobody, I told you. Okay, I'm just telling you. And I walked into this church, and my, my beautiful, my beautiful European brothers and sisters were here in force. And it was me, Donna Birch, Michelle Macon, Connor in the back, Sarah Gentry, and about four other African Americans uh, in this whole building. And I say, God, I, I, you know, I got T-Mobile now, Lord. I don't know if this is, you didn't call me from the blackest church to here, and I, I, I got nervous. But fast forward, I, I, and I told the journey, I said, hey, y'all, look, I can't promise you that this church is going to diversify. What I can promise you is that I will be faithful, and I'm going to shepherd the people that God sends here. And it just might be me and these couple hundred white people, and that's fine, okay? Like, I'm going to be faithful unto the Lord, and I will let, because Jesus told me come here, and we're going to do it. And that was that. Um, and that's what we did. And then COVID happened. Then we came back from COVID, and I'll never forget our first Sunday back. It was 42 people in this sanctuary. Could you imagine 42 people in this sanctuary our first Sunday back after COVID? And then as time went on, more melanin just started showing up. More, more, more chocolate people started showing up, and more of our Asian brothers and sisters, and some of our Latino brothers and sisters. And, 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 and I, I'm, I'm grateful that we're clapping, but I didn't clap then. I got scared. I told y'all it's a transparent moment. Don't judge me, okay? I got nervous. Okay, I, I got nervous because there's a sociological phenomenon, it's called tipping. And this sociological phenomenon says that a certain percentage of non-whiteness, I'm not going to tell you what the percentage is, uh, but at this certain percentage, um, there's this thing, I was reading this academic journal, um, and it said this thing called white flight starts to happen when a certain percentage of non-white people show up. And I said, white flight, I didn't even know that white people could fly. This is unbelievable. 
said, didn't know that could happen. And so I got nervous. And then Mark started playing soul music. And I, I, <laughs> then we got a Frenchman on a bait. I say, Lord, I, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. But let me tell you all what didn't happen. Our, our, our white people didn't learn to fly. They, 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 it, it didn't happen. We, we did not have this mass exodus. In fact, more chocolate people start coming in, and, and more white people start coming in, more Latino people. God is saying that in a place where there will be deserts of racism, I'm going to give refreshing of a multi-ethnic church. So God is saying that I don't need the political climate to be right. I didn't know that God was going to be able, God, are you going to be able to do this post-George Floyd? God, are you going to be able to do this post-January 6th? And God is saying, I'm doing a new thing, and you're going to see it, and it's going to be so ridiculous that you're going to know that it is my hand and that it is according to my will, and I will bless and give refreshing wherever I want to. Now, I, I got to move on because, you know, I, I, got, I told you I want you all to go outside and see that mirror. I tried to preach long enough to it stop raining, but I see the sun coming through. So I'm going to try to wrap it on up. You know, we've seen that this refreshing by God's presence is God's work. We've seen that this refreshing is according to God's where. It's where he feels like it, and he does it where he wants. But lastly, we see that God refreshes our hearts with his presence for his worship. Look at the text. Look at verse 20. It says, the wild beasts will honor me. The jackals, they will, they will honor me. The ostriches, would, I didn't even know ostriches worship, but they're going to honor me that I'm going to make rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. Look at verse 21. The people whom I have formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. God says in this text that when I deliver my covenant people, when I show you my covenant faithfulness, when I show you that I am truly the God of the new covenant, when I really show you that I'm going to build a kaleidoscopic, diverse church that brings blessings and the gospel to this area that everybody is going to give me a praise about it, even the jackals and the ostriches. And before I went up and prayed, I said, wait a minute, God, I don't know what this means because I wanted to shout, but I didn't know why I should shout about a jackal or a ostrich. I said, God, I don't know no ostriches and it ain't Halloween yet. What does jack-o'-lantern got to do with giving you praise? And God said, use a, a lexicon, son. It's okay. Like, use that Detroit Public Schools education and find out what's going on. And I looked up and I found out a jackal, it's, it's just a dog. It's kind of like a wild coyote. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, what do ostriches got to do with it? I, I, I don't understand. He said, he said, ostriches are desert-dwelling birds. I said, okay, but why are they worshiping you? I don't, I don't understand. And then the Lord said, son, go and read Acts chapter 11. Then I went and read Acts chapter 11, and, and if you were here for a while, I preached Acts chapter 11 where Peter was up on the room hanging out. He was looking up, and he was struggling with whether or not Gentiles should be Christians or not. He was wrestling. You all know Peter always had an issue with racism. That was his deal. He, he, he was on all them wrong websites and reading all the wrong stuff. Peter struggled. And the Lord was ministering to Peter. And he showed him the vision of a, of a sheet that came down with all kind of unclean animals. And he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, God, I'm a good Jew. I would never eat something that is unclean or common. And God says, what I have cleaned, don't you call unclean. And so God showed me that these jackals and his ostriches is God showing that there are two types of people that I'm going to put together in this mix, that I'm putting together in this text and that I'm putting together in this church. I'm putting together the people that have historically called unclean and the people that have historically been called clean. What do you mean? I'm talking about non-church folks and church folks. God is 
saying that I'm going to make this, one of our pastors used to call it a head-scratching church. I'm going to put together police and pimps. I'm going to put together ex-cons and theologians. I'm going to put together soccer moms and gangbangers. I'm going to put in people that did a bid and folks that work for corporate America. I'm going to put together the prosecutors and I'm going to put together the defendant and I'm going to put them in one church and I'm going to form them into one people for my praise and for my glory. God says that I'm going to put together people that shouldn't be hanging out together. And when they see my faithfulness together, they are going to, in that faithfulness, give me praise. The text says they're going to declare my praise. And I kept looking at my Hebrew lexicon and I found out that this word declare literally means to count. That they're going to tally up. That they're going to count up my praise. That they're going to recount my praise. And I say, God, I don't know what this means. I was trying to understand what this text meant. And as I wrestled through it and tried to figure out, I got a letter in the mail from the, from the St. Louis County Department of Revenue. And it, it was the thing that made me upset. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then I got this letter telling me that they wanted me to declare my personal property so that I could pay my personal property tax. And, and, and I just got mad because you already taxed me when I bought it. And now I didn't pay it off my car. And now I got to pay taxes just because I got it. I thought we hated taxes in Missouri. I don't seem to like it when it comes to my car. But that, that's, I'm sorry, I'm just ranting. I just, I, be, I get extra anti-government when I get tax bills. Like, I just was like, what in the world is this? And I, I looked at it and I just said, you know what? I've been in St. Louis 13 years and if I've learned nothing else in St. Louis is that I can drive my car for a hundred years with temporary tags on it. No way I'm paying this. <laughs> I, got, I seen a temp tag from 1911 last week. <laughs> It's on, it's on the back of a Model T. <laughs> but I, I got a wife and kids. I don't want my wife getting pulled over, so I went and gave the government they funky little money. Just a reminder of some of y'all. Some of y'all still driving on them temp tags. I see y'all. I don't judge you. I just, I know how it is. I've been in a struggle. But, <laughs> but I got mad because they wanted an itemized list of the, my personal property. I only got a Honda in the town and country, but they want it on that list so that I can pay a tax. And the Lord said, son, this letter that's been made you mad is going to help you preach tomorrow. Because what I want to tell you is that I want you to itemize my blessings. I want you to itemize my faithfulness, not because I want to charge you anything, but because I have paid it all. He says that I want you to declare what I have done. I want everybody who I've put together and formed like a powder into this new people called Refresh Community Church to declare, to count up my praise. I want my journey folks to count up my faithfulness when the podcast says you wouldn't make it, when you went through leadership transition after transition. I want you to count how I have been faithful to this church. He says, I want you to count it up. He says to the gate people, when you thought through people said you would fold that the church wouldn't make it, that the church would go under, to how I kept you through all of the vicissitudes and things that happened. I want you to count it up and declare my praise. When people said that all of these churches, this merger wouldn't work, and y'all gonna put black and white people together in a new election, is gonna come and split y'all up. I want you to declare my faithfulness and count it up and declare my praise. Ah, and I will be 
remiss to point out that not only is God showing that I have showed my faithfulness for this church and will show my faithfulness for Refresh Community Church, but if I bring it to your house, God has been faithful and he says, I want you to recount and declare how I've kept you through danger seen and unseen, how I want you to count it up and declare my praise, how I've kept you through many toils and flares. I want you to count it up and declare my praise, how I've brought you through hardships and sicknesses and tribulations. We owe God a praise, Refresh Community Church, how God kept you when money was funny, when there was more month than money, when he put food on the table. He says, count up my blessings and declare my praise. When you were going to have a mental breakdown and I became to you a mind regulator, I want you to count it up and declare how I kept you. When everybody else turned their back on you and I became a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless, count it up and declare my praise. For being good, declare his praise. For being faithful, declare his praise. For his salvation, declare his praise. For his justification, declare his praise. For sanctification, declare his praise. For glorification, declare his praise. For that cross where he took a nail in his hands and nail in his feet so that he could pay it all so that you can be delivered. God says count it up and declare my praise because I have formed you. I have called you to be a people that declares my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God says I have done too much. I am doing too much. I want you to declare my glory. I want you to declare my faithfulness. I want you to declare to a watching world that there's a God who is able to do the impossible. Oh, God is saying, listen, I want to use this church, refreshed community church, and this group of people that I have pulled together here from all different type of walks of life to declare to the hordes of hell in this city the glories of God. God says that he has called the church as a witness to the multifaceted riches and glory of God. The manifold riches of God is seen and the wisdom of God is seen through the church. And so, people of God, I want to invite you. If you're looking over the fence and you're trying to figure out this refreshed community church for you, listen, if you're trying to figure out, man, I don't know, I'm too messed up, I'm too jacked up, I didn't already told you from the pulpit to the back pew, we all crack pots, myself included. If you're looking for a perfect church, this ain't it because we ain't that. But what we are is a church who is focused and strong and pursuing after with everything with complete recklessness abandon the presence of Christ. And so I want to invite you, if you're looking for a place to connect, listen, I can tell you, we're not perfect, but we're serious about Jesus. We're, we, we, we haven't got it all together, but we're striving for the Lord. And wherever your background, it's somebody I'm telling you, it's some, hey, we can have coffee. I can tell you my stories. There's it's some crazy stuff out here. And God has been faithful through it all. Whether you've been in the church forever, you was a homeschooled, suburban, evangelical, or whether you got saved off the block, God is saying, I have formed you and called you to declare my praise. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that at this church, Refresh Community Church, you are choosing to form a people to declare your praise. God, I love it because it's your work. God, none of us can take credit. Me, the elders, the staff, God, this is your work. 
God, and it's in your where, it's in this locale, God. You said I'm going to do it in St. Louis where it's just all division. It's all we're, all, we're so divided, the only place we can get together is at a cards game or a concert. And God, you said this is where I'm going to put this church. And that God, you're doing it not for my glory, not so that we can have dope websites and look like we're a cool, hip church, but you're doing it for your worship. And God, when you show forth your faithfulness, God, everybody is going to give you praise. The church folks and the non-church folks. So God, I pray that you would do it. God, I, I, I pray, God, and I believe, God. In fact, I just worship you, God, because as far as it goes because of your promises, God, it's already done. Father, you have already done it, God, and so we are just going to rest and enjoy the ride as you get your glory out of this church. God, thank you for Refresh Community Church. God, thank you for the esteemed privilege of shepherding and being an under-shepherd for these, your beautiful and beloved people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to worship. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.